I do podcast episode 35. Welcome to idopodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Morgan Leah Richardson. Hi, Morgan. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're very excited to have you on the show today. Well, I look forward to it. Morgan is a divorce attorney and mediator in New York City. She focuses on divorce and family law issues such as custody, child support, father's rights, and marital property issues. Morgan received her law degree from Tulane Law School in New Orleans and worked as an extern for Federal Magistrate Judge Lewis Moore in the United States Court for the Eastern District of Louisiana. She juggles her job as an attorney with her other job as a divorce mom of two preschool-age boys. Her firm is Richardson Legal, and she blogs at The Divorce Artist. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself, and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, um, I started off working as a lawyer in a very large corporate law firm setting, and it was very impersonal. Um, so after I had my second child, I switched to uh, divorce law um, sort of as my focus. And I feel that it's much more personal. Um, I like meeting with clients, and I like sort of seeing the immediate result of helping them solve their problems. Um, I, I realize that divorce is sort of the tail end of uh, a relationship, a, mar- a marital relationship, but it's also a sort of a new beginning um, and it's a new beginning, especially if it's involving children. It's forming a new kind of relationship um, to try to co-parent those children uh, and try to move forward in the best way possible uh, once the divorce is, is taking place. And I, I, so I find some enjoyment in trying to help people do that. Well, I think it's just really interesting to have you on because most of the people we have on are relationship experts and we're talking about more positive things. And I think not that everything you do is negative, but divorce inherently has a negative connotation. But that being said, I think there's no better person to learn from than somebody who's constantly in front of divorced couples and divorced individuals. Uh, That's definitely true, I think. Um, I, I try not to, to view it as a totally negative experience, although it is a lot of times people at their very lowest moment. Um, but you do see a lot of sort of patterns emerging from the mistakes people are making in their marriages. And a lot of times I wonder, you know, is there something they could have done to avoid that um, and avoided ending up in my office? Absolutely. And, and that just perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about today is some of the four main things you actually wrote an article about that you find are causing these troubles in divorces. Uh, Yes, I I wrote the article because I I see 
like I said, a, a consistent sort of pattern of, of behaviors or um, problems that tend to emerge with people that come um, into my office. Um, and they're just, um, they, they're, they're continuing problems. Um, I think one of the first ones um, a lot of times can relate to um, once, once a couple has had a child. Uh, that's a huge difficulty um, in the marriage because it really changes the whole dynamic of the marriage. Um, in my article, I called it the, the sex cycle, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> mainly because I think that sounds a little more interesting to readers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it involves um, the fact that sometimes couples will really lose sight of each other once there's a new person, a, a baby, uh, in in the marriage. And if you lose sight of your, your, your primary relationship with your partner, um, then you'll fall into sort of a cycle where you can't achieve that balance again. And it's really important, I think, to try to address it when that starts happening. Is that basically a good way to avoid the cycle is, is addressing it and, and communicating on it? Absolutely. Um, you definitely need to start communicating um, when you feel that, you know, the relationship is sort of growing apart because you're not able to communicate about what are the expectations, who's, who's you know, how are you going to divide sort of the labor or both equally participate in the labor that, uh, you know, takes place when there's a child, um, but also how are you going to continue to develop your relationship as a couple um, and try to get away from the feeling that you're losing each other um, or you're losing the time, you know, that you once had together. Um, I think that, that an open communication is really important. You would, you would be really surprised. I think most people would be shocked at how many people call my office and they have a three-month-old. And I usually try to convince them to call me back after a few more months because I think that once that baby arrives, it's just such a traumatic experience. If you haven't really talked about things before the baby's there or tried to address those things um, initially, you're really going to feel a little bit lost. Is it usually couples with younger babies that have this issue with the sex cycle, or is it couples maybe that have more toddlers or in preschool, or is it a different mix? I, I think it's definitely a mix. I think I get a lot of calls from people who have a three-month-old because the first three months are so very difficult to adjust in having a, a child. Um, but I actually get a lot more clients who have a toddler or a child who's starting to go into school because they've fallen into that cycle. They, they've stopped the communication. And at some point, one of the partners is just completely unhappy because the relationship has turned into something that's completely about a child and not about, you know, the initial relationship they had. Um, And one of my examples was a couple that I had mediated, and it was clear to me within about the first 30 minutes of the mediation that he just felt tremendous guilt for wanting to be sexual with his wife, and he wasn't able to to have that relationship any longer. She was making it clear that that wasn't interesting her in part because they were sort of stuck in a cycle where he wasn't participating enough in the childcare for her. So she just felt completely exhausted when it came to trying to have any intimate time. Um, 
So I think it, it runs the gamut, but I, I, I would tend to say more people are ready to to enter into the divorce phase as a reality once the child's a little older and this pattern is not broken. Yeah, it's really interesting how you said how many how many calls you get from people with three month olds, and that's why we have people on the show like yourself, so that if there's any listeners out there who are thinking about having kids or or are pregnant with their their first, address these issues now, so that once the baby comes along, there's not an issue, and and you're not giving someone like yourself a call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next topic that you bring up in your article is clash of the titans. So having communication issues with your spouse. Um, yeah, I think that's a really a, a big issue. Um, uh, you know, I think a lot of times couples come together under this whole principle that opposites attract. Um, and, and that can be very true for a lot of people. Um, but if they don't, learn a, a longer-term sort of communication solution, sometimes that starts to really detract from the relationship because uh, they're opposites and they really start to clash. Um, and if they can't figure out a way to sort of develop their communications um, with one another that is a little bit beyond that, um, it's really going to lead to problems. Um, a lot of times I'll have a client who will say, you know, it used to just be so exciting because we're so different. Um, but then as the years wear on and there are life issues, there are children and um, financial issues and marital property issues, they can't agree and they haven't worked out a way to develop beyond that basic, you know, there was that basic initial attraction, but they haven't sort of developed their communication beyond that. Um, so I think that that can be a real, um, a real problem, you know, as a, as a long term situation. Absolutely, and that sort of leads us into the next point of failing to listen. Communicating is not just about talking, but it's kind of a two way street where you need to listen. Yes, um, most definitely. I think I see this a lot um, with male clients where they will tell me they don't understand how it got to this point. They've been served a summons, or worse, their wife has called the police and they've been arrested for something possibly like aggravated harassment where they've, they've texted her too much or they've, you know, they've had some sort of dispute and for whatever reason it led to their arrest. They really regret, they'll say that they wish that their wife had told them oh, this could have been an amicable divorce, you know, if she had only really told told me about it. But it starts to become clear to me that, you know, she was trying to tell you about mm-hmm. it multiple times. You just didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that's a real, a real serious problem for, for any relationship. It's a two-way street, um, not, not just for husbands, but also for wives. You, you both need to be listening. Um, and that can even tie back into the sex cycle. You know, if both parties are listening to what the other partner is saying about what their needs are um, or what the problems are in the relationship, then that will definitely curtail a lot of uh, the problems that can lead to divorce. 
have you had any experiences where you're mediating with them and, and you're giving them advice as to how to listen and change and evolve or where it's come to a point where it actually has helped, they have listened, and they did not end up getting a divorce? Um, I haven't had that happen in any mediation. I've definitely had um, situations where clients have reconciled um, in a more traditional divorce setting. Um, In the mediation, they're really at a point where they um, agree that the divorce has to take place. They're just more struggling with how the details are going to play out, and they need somebody to help them with that. Um, and a lot of times the mediations can be even, you know, a little bit more tragic to me because they're so friendly. Um, in one mediation we had, um, the wife sort of slipped up and called the husband honey. And it just really reminds you, you know, these mm-hmm. people are very close, but there's just something not working right. um, that they can't resolve. And unfortunately, it's not my job to tell them how to fix it. I'm not qualified to tell them how to fix it, but my observations are this is probably what the real trigger is or the real, based on what they're telling me, this is what the real heart of the problem was. Um, They just haven't been able to work that out. Uh, If they have kids, though, I think mediation is, is a far better way to divorce because it will help them develop a way to communicate about the children and about, you know, letting go of some of the anger that they might have um, from the failure of the relationship. That's great advice. And and that leads us into our last pitfall, which would be eroding self-esteem. And you gave a, a little story in the article that I thought was very relatable to our audience, where the spouse, the husband, was just bringing the wife down and saying negative things. And it made her feel negative when in all reality, she was you know, a beautiful person. And there were men out there that thought she was attractive. And he might have just been doing it whether he had a self-esteem issue or he just wanted to bring her down. So I think if you could explain a little bit more on that, I think that's a very relatable topic. I think that, that that definitely can happen, and it doesn't have to just be the husband eroding the wife's self-esteem. A wife certainly can do that um, to a husband's self-esteem, but it happens if both partners sort of start taking the other for granted, or they have their own self-esteem issue, and they're sort of projecting it on the other person, um, eroding their self-esteem to make them feel more secure that the person's going to stay. Um, and it, it just backfires. You know, marriage is supposed to be, you know, a partnership and a supporting, um, you know, a supportive relationship, uh, not one where you're trying to drag the other partner down so that you feel more secure about yourself or whatever is going on with you. Um, so I think that that is a common problem. What do you find is one reason couples struggle in their relationship? Um, if I had to pick just one reason, um, I, I think I would have a difficult time, but I, I think we've sort of talked about it. Um, communication, communication problems can be the number one thing, um, especially when that communication is about finances. Um, and I think that couples really do struggle um, trying to work out how the, the financial issues in the marriage are handled. 
how can those struggles be prevented? So better communication, um, certainly, but is there a specific, any specific advice relating to finances that you can give? Yes, I think it's probably the most unpleasant advice you'll hear. But before you get married, I really think it's important to, to force a conversation, whether you, you know, you, you might not want to do it, but sit down with, you know, a budget. Sit down with a plan on uh, of attack here. How are you guys going to manage your finances? How are you going to get just get the bills paid? Who who's responsible for what? And you know what happens? You know in the future, um, as far as changing incomes or adding you know children to the family, um, what are the expectations so that everybody feels comfortable um, that they're on the same page? Um, I, I would try to work that out, you know, at the very, very early stages of the marriage. That's great advice. Now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds. I'll go first. And my question has to do with in your dealings with couples that are going to see you and they're going to get a divorce and they have kids. What's the single most important thing for them to to concentrate on and and you know they're going to get a divorce the the relationship cannot be saved but in order to make the kids uh the adjustment um as smooth as possible i think that if you have kids and you're getting a divorce i think the most important thing for you to focus on you know is trying to do what you can in the best interest of, of the children. Um, if you're putting the kids first because you recognize that those kids are one half you but also one half your spouse, and, you know, it, it will take you a, a, a long way because a lot of times people are very, very angry and very bitter, and they can't see past that to realize how damaging the situation can be for their kids. Anything negative you say about your spouse to your child is basically an attack to that child on them because they're one half your spouse. Mm-hmm. So that can be very damaging to their, um, you know, ego and and self esteem. Um, I think it's really important if you're both on the same page that you know the overall important thing here is we're both the parents. And we both need to protect them mm-hmm. and help them understand this process and shield them from our dispute. Yeah, I think that's hugely important coming from a family where my parents were divorced when I was 13. And unfortunately, the situation for half of our listeners out there statistically, as far as growing up with divorced parents. So the kids really take anything that a, a parent says about the other, they take that home and it can really affect their development. From your experience, if there was one pitfall that led to a more a higher rate of divorce, is there one is there one of those pitfalls that you would say leads to a higher rate of divorce? Is there one of them that leads to a higher rate of divorce? Yeah, that that you've seen from people you work with, more people that come in with uh, the failure to listen or so, the self-esteem or the sex cycle. Is there one uh, situation that you find more from your clients? I would definitely say, I would definitely have to lean towards the failure to listen. 
um, because we tend to see that a lot. And I think that just, again, it ties right back into, um, you know, the overall lack of communication skills. You're supposed to be in a relationship with this person and, and have the ability to communicate with that person better than everybody else. It's, it's supposed to be you and your spouse, you know, against the world. Uh, but if you're not communicating, then it's really, it's just causing a lot more problems. And, and sometimes that may be, you know, their communication problems because of cultural issues um, or different, you know, religious perspectives or things like that. Um, but overall, I would say the failure to listen um, and to develop a way of, you know, continuing your communication um, with your spouse is it's vital. Now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Morgan, are you ready to help us build lasting love? Yes. What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? I would think the number one thing is couples really need to make an effort to live intentionally. They need to reaffirm their marriage intentionally on a daily basis on a minute-by-minute basis um, because they really need to um, consciously do do that, embrace the relationship, be a part of the relationship uh, in order to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that we've mentioned. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? I think there's a, there are a lot of great books out there. Um, as far as, um, you know, improving your relationship, I can't, I can't point to any single book. Um, I can point you to many um, different books on how to have a friendly divorce. Um, no, I that know, would be great. Uh, the, <laughs> one of the authors, uh, Steve Abel, has written a, a book about um, friendly divorce. Um, I, I think that's a useful guide, especially if you have children and you're facing sort of the breakdown of, of your relationship and, and looking for a way to do it in a more civilized um, fashion. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And we want to, obviously, if it comes to divorce, we want to do it in the best way possible. But we're also trying to definitely prevent that. And that's how you know a lot of the advice that we're given on the show and that you've offered. And one of, uh, in the past, the answer for this question by one of our experts was to go to divorce court. So to go and, and sit in, and that's why you have such a great perspective because you're involved in it firsthand, and, and that could be something our listeners go out and try to do. That is, that is a very clever response because uh, there is nothing like sitting in divorce court um, that will convince you to work on a relationship from the very start. Well, that's great advice. Thank you. And we'll have that book you mentioned on our website at idopodcast.com on your show notes page where our listeners know to go there to check out your awesome recommendations. So thank you for that. We're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds to keep the relationship strong and prevent them from having a divorce? Um, I I think that I have to go back to just the idea that, you know, 
couples need to make more of an effort to, to live in their relationship intentionally, to communicate, um, to embrace the fact that they're, you know, involved in the relationship. Um, you don't need a vow renewal every 10 years or 20 years if you're basically living those vows every day. Right. You know, mm-hmm. communicate about what it is that you've decided. You, you're consciously deciding to be in this relationship every day that you wake up. And I think that would also help a lot of people um, to avoid taking others' spouse for granted, um, you know, to, to re- remember on a daily basis mm-hmm. that why are you here? Well, we're here out of love and we're here because we've um, consciously made this decision to make this relationship work uh, for the duration. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? I think, you know, like I said, planning everything, trying to, to live more intentionally, and trying to set out, uh, you know, a map or a guide for yourselves at the start of, of the relationship, but something that you review periodically to continue to keep each other involved um, in the relationship, not to take things for granted, um, especially once children come along, you need to have that sort of adjustment where you reassess um, what's been happening in the relationship, how how have, have tasks been made, because you want to prioritize your children, but you have to hold your relationship above all else because you're the model for how they're going to develop their relationship. We've had someone else mention that it's good to have little checkup meetings every once in a while and to set expectations of what you are looking for in the relationship so that you have those guidelines uh, to live the relationship by. Absolutely. Well, we've really enjoyed hearing all your advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, um, well, you can find a lot of the things that I write at my blog, uh, thedivorceartist.com. My law firm's website is richardsonlegalpllc.com, and our office is located in Astoria, Queens, um, where, you know, we practice in all five boroughs. Well, our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And thank you so much for all your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love?